Dunkin's new wake-up go-tos mean you never have to choose between breakfast meats again. Now you can get a wake-up wrap with bacon and a wake-up wrap with sausage for $3. That's savory and sweet, crispy and spicy. It's everything you love about breakfast for $3. Wake up your day with new wake-up go-tos. Get two egg and cheese wraps for $2 or mix and match your favorite meats with two bacon, ham, sausage, or turkey sausage wraps for $3. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360-degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, listeners. Happy holidays. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. It's Stephen Jodder and Armand Kapai. How's it going, Armand? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. It's that time of year, huh? Holidays coming yes, up, the end is. of the semester, travels. Be safe out there if you're doing any traveling, listeners. Take care of yourselves. Listen to our podcast. Yes, listen to our podcast and no other podcast out there because we have the freshest one for you. No, but Armand... Explain to listeners why Christmas music's being played. Well, we have a surprise. Do we? Uh, Yeah, we are making our wish list for American soccer. Uncle Sam's Christmas wish list. Can't be any better than that. I don't think you can. No. I think it's beautiful. It is. It is. It fits right in because there's a lot of issues going on. And just remember, we just crowned Toronto champions of Major League Soccer, and then hours later, players getting traded, DPs are coming in five days afterwards, teams are being blown up, we have no idea what's going on, and Toronto's trying to still celebrate what they did. They don't even have a chance to celebrate. Drew Moore's we gone. Turn- See you later, you know? One week after no, you lifted the actually, I actually just re-signed with Toronto. I hate to... Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, it burst your bubble because you wanted him to come to Dallas. Yeah, I thought he'd be a good fit at Dallas, but, you know, if he's not, him. he's not. Good for Toronto. Good for him. Good, yeah, good for him. I'm glad he stays up there. I think that, that team could be interesting. Though. I really want to see them, you know, do well in the CONCACAF Champions League. That's that's where I'm excited next for uh, for Major League Soccer, I guess. But oh, who isn't? But Toronto represents Canada as much as they represent Major League Soccer, which is weird, you know? I think it's normal. Yeah. Anyway, um, Christmas wish list, Armand. We got a little bell, little whistle, little referee whistle to keep us on track here. We got ten questions that we're gonna, or not even ten questions, but ten wish list items that we really want to get to. And we're gonna dissect and discuss what we want to do. And I'll begin. Whistle just happened. The I would love to find out if I'm writing this letter. If Uncle Sam is writing this letter to Santa Claus. It's to find out the direction of U.S. soccer and where we're going and, you know, are headed the direction. I get it. 
the U.S. presidency is going on. But it, it it's a pain in the butt to figure out what we're doing and what it, the, what is being implemented and what type of change is coming. I feel like it's going to be one of those things where almost no change happens, in my opinion. I feel like um, a, a candidate is going to be selected that has previous experience under uh, the, the regime and um, will plan simple, kind of sturdy the ship, kind of have a new name, new name tag and everything. And outside of that, maybe add a couple of roles. I don't think we're going to see any drastic changes unless we unless we do see a like Winalda like uh, selected at, or elected as president. I don't. Outside of him, I think the rest are very uh, yeah. But what's the chance? Status of, quo. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is it's very status quo. But why? If if we the fans demand change, it's it's letting us down more than anything because we're the ones flipping the bills for these guys. But the, it, 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 does, it, it, it doesn't matter if it lets down. We're still going to pay to go to the games. We're still going to support. We're still going to talk about it. So our And our our input means nothing. It's for what's, in their eyes, the good for United States uh, soccer in terms of monetary gain and in terms of just what their perception is. If they want to keep, like, just have... A specific group maybe in power, then they'll select them. If they don't, they don't. It's pretty plain and simple. I don't think they would. I don't think they care that much about what the fans think. No, but let me ask you this: We're obviously Sunil Gulati stepped down, and the direction of U.S. soccer was headed. I don't know under his direction. Did he fail? What did you do? You think he was that? Because. If we're talking about no change, why why is he stepping down? This is just him stepping down is to appease the fans. Look, we're getting changed. But if you're saying that we're getting status quo, why not just leave him up there and get him to you know, pick the next manager of the U.S. and let's begin there? Because that friendly against Portugal was meaningless. Absolutely meaningless because we don't even know who the head coach is. Uh, the issue is I think with, with, with Sunil – Yet all the guys that are, all the guys all the candidates that are running right now do have some sort of soccer background if that makes any sense. They've done this soccer. They've done this soccer. Well, yeah. Sunil, 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 Sunil is an economics shout to economics. That's my major too. Uh, professor at Columbia University. So I mean, you can see maybe maybe he's more tasked for the business side of things over the soccer side of things. And then now you see U.S. soccer implementing a GM role, uh, which would almost take away that from the 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 president that soccer deciding role so i mean honestly it's i i just feel like it's just you know for like okay you're expected to resign if your nation does not make the world cup when they should so he resigned someone else will come in and it'll be and it'll be the same it'll be this i i just have this weird feeling it'll be the same thing all over again unless we see one of those candidates like a and all the Gans, uh, Laponte, uh, Lapointe, sorry, uh, get, <laughs> get elected, and the, odds, and the odds of those guys getting elected are 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 lower. Well, yeah, and some of them have been very outspoken and, and, and critical of the system in itself. But I, I just wonder, even if we get one of these radical, how much are they going to be able to implement their vision? How much change, and are we even going to see change? Because when we're talking about, say, youth soccer. Well, there's talent. There is talent out there. Pulisic is a good one, but McKenney, there's you know a ton. There's so much talent in the United States that's untapped 
because we um and I saw this and this is actually from uh an article on uh, uh our good our uh the player we knew from Benfica Keaton um from his club coach Armando and he 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 did say that they seem to focus more on developmental cap. I mean, just plenty of good players in classic leagues that can't afford it. I think the U.S. is so big that we're just we're missing out on a lot of players. I think honestly because they can't afford it. And I think that's 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 a big issue. Well, yeah, and but the problem is it's not that we're not talented because we have the problem is you have Bruce Arena and the Danny Williams thing get the old blown. guard. Second. Old guard. Well, yeah, but th- what did Williams say in-, in an interview not too long ago with, I believe it was uh, Stars and Stripes FC? He was he was speaking about how Bruce Arena valued the MLS players over anybody else. And I think Bruce Arena failed to pick up these young kids, even just bringing them on the roster for even if you had one roster spot dedicated to that, bring in a McKinney. Even if he doesn't play for Schalke, you know what that creates with the fans and creates with youngsters. The they see the opportunity of actually getting called up. But when you're calling up the same handful of players from Major League Soccer, you don't see any variety, even in age. What's that tell you? I think Sunil Gulati. We should, we failed to blame the players and the coach and the change for U.S. Soccer. I think really has to happen with. The 23 selected on a given night because ultimately whatever the new president does, it's not really going to change that 23 or the coach. They can direct somebody there, but it really belongs to the coach and the emphasis on the players more than what the president of U.S. soccer does. Absolutely. Anyway, moving on. So my first (coughs) uh, Christmas wish list is I'm sick and tired of garbage DPs. I think in this in this day and age, Tim Howard should not be a DP. In this day and age, FC Dallas should not be striking out on DPs. In this day and age, we look towards Atlanta, towards LAFC, who are bringing in young, even Toronto, young, even Toronto, bringing in young talent. In the case of Toronto, not necessarily young, but proven star power, and bring it into the league. And it's time for the league to take that next step and say, okay. Let's do ABC and let's bring in the, the, these DPs. I'm sick and tired of MLS being linked to not older players because older players can still do the job, but just mainly older, I guess, older Americans in general, mm. specifically older Americans. Um, and I just, I, I just want to see that that youth infusion come in. Where oh, hey, you want to splurge on blah 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 and bring him in. There's so much talent in the South American region that is untapped and undervalued because they're not from Brazil or Argentina. So look what look look what they look at all the talent, the, Par- the Paraguayan talent that's coming in through the league um, with Almiron. I mean, if Colman can score some goals, him. But I think it, I think it's time for the age of the designated player. It's it's evolved now. It's no longer what it was when it was first uh, put into play as the David Beckham rule to bring in that star fancy player. It's to bring in that player that's going to be that's going to be a fantastic addition to your team that's worth a lot and will create buzz amongst fans. No, I I definitely agree. But the the problem with designated players is it's a salary because you cannot have. Michael Bradley, Josie Altador, and Sebastian Giovinco make more than the rest of the locker room. I, I just it's, think that's a bad – it just looks bad. It just does. 
I think you create this really bad position for you know for the teams and the players because everybody knows how much these players are making. You know how much Villa is making, but if you're just some regular old starter maybe on the bench, you're making a fraction of what Villa is making. You're making a fraction of what um, Clint Dempsey or Tim Howard are making. I mean, hopefully with all these uh, Tam Gambler, all these uh, weird abbreviations coming in, hopefully that'll lower the gap. But I mean, I think they do need to go bigger and better on DPs. And I think the the what trend of want, going younger. What do you want to open up more designated player spots? No, I wouldn't say that. I would say the three. I would say you'd have to go three designated players, and then I'd go one American designated player. So you can have you can have the potential of bringing an American well, then, uh, big name. But they have rules. They have the rule of the young designated player spot or the homegrown something. They have some sort. But it's of- not necessarily like a de- it's not necessarily like des- a designated player spot. I mean. You, uh, it's more of if, like, let's say Michael Bradley was still at Roma, you could go after him on top of a third DP and strengthen the rosters all around. But specifically for that American player, which we're slowly starting to see, and this is a trend that you're slowly starting to see, they're slowly not getting time in uh, MLS because of the superior South American talent. Plain and simple, you want to win games, you're going to go and get some, some South Americans who are – Proven quality compared to some of the American base players that we have here. No, I, I, I think the problem with designated players it actually squeezes out young kids. I think. Yeah, it, I agree. Um, didn't Josh Sargent and Weston McKinney come out and criticize the the youth? I think yeah. I think almost every German, well, American in Germany has criticized youth. <laughs> That's what I think, but I mean, some players don't get opportunities. It's it's a very fair it's a very fair argument. How many casual seventeen year olds do you see playing in the MLS week in week out? Well, I mean, how many? Well, yeah, absolutely. That's the huge issue. And uh, I actually fought, saw a funny tweet, and somebody tweeted out Alexi Lawless the Christian Pulisic goal where he. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. So, I where basically, talk. he's like, "Hey, Alexi Lawless, do you think?" Christian Pulisic would have learned this in Chem 201 and Algebra. Obviously criticizing what what the point of the college game is. You do have that issue, Armand, because when Walker Zimmerman or Matt Hedges came into the league, how old were they? 21, 22, 23. They weren't 18, 19. Because uh, look at uh, Martial for Manchester United. How old is he? Young. You you. you you see all these young Christian Pulisic is a great example. How old is he? Nineteen, and he's regu- starting regularly for you know Borussia Dortmund. At nineteen, you're a freshman. You're in col- at college. You're not learning how to juggle or learning the taxes of the game. You're learning how to freaking figure out life, how to cook <laughs> some ramen noodles. That's what you're figuring out your freshman year. <laughs> ah, fair play. Moving on here. So. Christmas wish list item number two is MLS, please. Please. Santa Claus, get them to reformat their damn schedule because it is absolutely baffling. It's idiotic. It's moronic. It's not well put. It's not well thought out. It is just, let's just play a bunch of games and we'll figure out at the end how to do it. It's like they come up with this stuff on the fly. 
Not even their so. Not even their, um, wait, wait, not even their scheduling makes sense because you play everybody in your conference home and away. Then you play six people across in the opposite conference away, and then you play two more at home. Like, it just makes it like the NFL. You know who you're playing before the schedule is even released. You know how it's going to work out because there's a there's a format, right? MLS or even in soccer in Europe. Home and away with everybody, that's it. But here in MLS, you you play LA Galaxy three times in a year, but two of them are going to be on the road. How is that fair? How, how, how are you going to be able to determine what's going on? And then plus you yeah. add the World Cup. And then the World Cup just squeezes out teams. Players are missing. Nobody goes to the games because they're too busy watching the World Cup. It's, it's moronic. So I hate to be that guy. But what's your solution <sighs> to to countering the extremely frigid cold weather that we have in some of the in some of the areas of the United States, especially maybe like a Toronto or maybe like a Minnesota? So it's it's fairly simple. You take a break. You take your Christmas vacation. What is the Bundesliga doing right now? Taking a break. Oh, okay. Wow, that that was so difficult, MLS. Great. You take a break. You play until now. Yeah, it's pretty cold right now, but I'm up here in Wisconsin. It's about 35 degrees. It's not, it's not any more different than what Manchester United played in or City hosting Tottenham. It's the same weather, more or less. Yeah, you might have some frigid games. Fine, just reschedule them. It's not that difficult. Just reschedule them. You take a six-week break from about this period to just around the Super Bowl time. You're not going to run into issues. You kind of you, you let January kind of freeze around. You can play friendlies. You can do whatever you want. It gives the teams to go through the January transfer window, right, to retool whatever they like to do. Maybe some players, in, they leave for Europe. They can resign. I don't know. You figure that out. And then, and then you, you really move from a fall to spring schedule. It, it would work phenomenal. You would have the summer not to worry about. The only issue I'm on is the stadiums, and they need to figure out. They need to figure out the issue of getting soccer-specific stadiums for everybody. That's why they still play this ridiculous spring to winter schedule, and you know the off season is only 44 days long before their players t- return to training camp. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's an interesting debate. I just, I honestly don't know how to fix it. To be honest with you. You have no solution. I, th- I think it's a little bit. I think it's a little bit harder than just take a break. I think there's a lot of other elements involved as well, such as. I just, for for me, when you compare it to a, a, a Manchester or like a like a whatever, some team in England, you're talking about a popular sport in that country. Soccer is popular to a degree, but when it's damn cold outside. I promise you, it's not popular. When you're when I was playing uh, soccer in the winter during a, a high school season, it sucks. It's, it's oh, boo, sitting boo. in there. It sucks. It 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 it, it sucks sitting in there. No one's gonna show up. Yes. No. Will be I don't th- no. No. I if if you expect that stadium to be at full capacity, okay. When, and what markets already have full capacity? None. If they can't sell out during the summer, what makes you think they're going to be able to do this during the winter or the spring? There you go. You just answered your own question. What makes you think they're going to do there's it? There's no what difference, though. No, but what there's makes no you think difference. They're going to do it in the winter. In the winter, it's going to be worse. You're going to see 
empty seats because it's going to be frigid cold. And there's no, and no one wants to watch soccer in a cold. Because, but nobody wants to watch soccer in 112 degrees. It's not that bad because they, they, for, they put the games towards the night. So when it's at the night, it's cool. Yeah, it's but like it's still 80, ridiculous. 90. But when you're talking about the winter, it's just cold. It gets colder. It doesn't get warmer. It gets colder. Yeah, so it'd be, it, and the, it'd be frigid. It'd be frigid weather. If 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 I were MLS, the only thing I could even think of is you'd have to take a break. Like you have to tell the teams to fix up their stadiums to make it like ready for this, and then you have to like take a break like deep into February. If anything, I don't think I just I don't think it it can work. I mean, obviously it'd be better because their transfer windows you wouldn't be target of the summer transfer window. Teams wouldn't get like scathed. And the not, but they're, they're, but, they're losing already. I don't know if they're gaining or losing fans, but during the World Cup, the Gold Cup, the Copa America, the Olympics, whatever it may be, there are soccer tournaments, even the European Championships with now more Europeans coming over. MLS is losing left and right with, with players. And if MLS wants to bring in more talent, these players want to go to the national team. Well, what if they? What if these players are so crucial that their club team sucks, and then they miss out on MLS playoffs because the the player was the players were gone for six, seven games. The team absolutely craps themselves out of the playoffs, and then they come back. But when you put up the points with them on the team, they're one of the best in the league. Do you see the issue? The MLA you have. The well, yes, there's obviously that issue, but the solution isn't as easy as all right. Let's just put a random. Let's just put a break for a month and let's see what. And let's see if we can go. there's so many other logistics involved outside of just let's just put a break. I mean, I agree the schedule does need to change, but it's a lot more complicated thought process. And Ronaldo's been talking about, oh yeah, I have this idea. I have this idea to fix up the schedule. He, if he has an idea, I want to hear what he has to say. How would you fix that? How would you? Uh, he also mentioned how would you implement it as well. But I just. It's it's it's. I think it's more complicated than a, a, a lot of people. A lot of no, people, it, it is uh, very is, complicated. And it's 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 tough because soccer isn't popular in this country. It feels like football. I'd say hell yeah, do it. It'd be fine. People will people in Green Bay sit there with their shirts off in like twenty degree weather <laughs> and watch it and, and watch and watch it. But here, I don't see that. Well, it's not like any more less people are going to a winter game than there are in the summer game. Say in Houston, Dallas, to, Colorado. Well, yeah, if you see. If you see fourteen thousand in a summer game, you're gonna see like seven thousand in a winter game. I like to see that. I like to see them actually roll that out. Oh my god! I'm telling you, there's a there's a window there. Anyway, what have I said on this show, Armand? A couple of times. You have to be irrational to be rational with U.S. soccer. Oh my gosh! Not anyway, we're gonna get a quick, take a quick break. How long? Well, that was a heated debate. I don't nah, think we see it that much. I feel like 
I feel like me and Steven, me and Steven do agree on a lot of things, but we do have good discussions about other topics as well. So back to my wish list. Yes. What about a topic? It? I'm re- I'm really passionate about. You know, I've talked about this a lot to you, Steve. I'm changing up my order. Oh. College soccer needs a <laughs> massive revamp. A- what, what are you gonna do with college soccer? Let, let's talk about this. Just like. Just like you did with my scheduling issue. What the hell are you going to do with college soccer? Because college soccer, you know what college soccer is? It's a, it's a chance for these parents who invest thousands, and I mean thousands of dollars, for the kids to play soccer when they're in high school. They they travel all this time on weekends. Then they go to college thinking they get the same as a college scholarship. But the college scholarship probably isn't as much as what they just spent the last 10 years of their lives driving around, filling up gas tanks, bringing hot dogs and little apple juices to Bobby's soccer game, realizing they could have put that money in the bank and let the kid actually figure out what he likes because I've talked to too many people who played soccer but don't want to pursue it, which just aggravates me because there's kids on the streets dying to do that. Well, my my changes to college soccer, it has has to revolve around the schedule. I think the schedule itself – is it's it's not it's not it's not good enough. It's very it's very short, very condensed, and for people that want to be professional soccer players, come on. So let's start with that. We're we're gonna start with implementing a Clasasura Apentura schedule like doing Liga MX. You play we play a, a season in the winter and a season Wait, in the is spring. This is college soccer. Yes, this is college soccer. They, oh, play, they play just in the, they play a season in the winter. Huh, interesting. They play they play season in the uh, yeah, it's terrible. And um, <laughs> they, they so so they uh, they they play. Then you take a break for a semester. They come back in. They come back in, and then it's it's more of a looser, laxer spring schedule. With you know, if some teams won't participate, they can. But the real teams will participate. And you'll try to mandate that, and you'll you'll ha- you won't have a postseason tournament. Just fifteen games here and there, uh, mainly in tournaments. So you have all the teams coming to one location. Not a lot of traveling back and forth. Um, after that, we're going to look into the actual playing aspects. I sat through a couple of college soccer games and my goodness, I don't understand half the rules. First off, implement a draw, a draw in a regular season game is okay to have. You don't need to go to double overtime. And if the, this is one of the most ridiculous rules I've ever heard. The game, if it, if it ends in a draw, it goes to overtime or extra time. You go extra time, you play one 10 minute, the other 10 minute. If it still ends in a draw... It's a draw. It makes no sense, in my opinion. So <laughs> you so, might as well listen. just play three quarters. Exactly. It's it's stupid. So what you do, plain and simple, is you get a draw. It cuts down the playing. It cuts down the timing. It it, it makes things a lot easier. And after you you add, you add that into the mix, after you do that, you cut down the subs from unlimited to about six. I would say six, and the players cannot re-enter the match after that. Make it realistic. Make it realistic as a real soccer match. You cannot re-enter the game as like a situational sub. And I get it. You want to have players develop. That's why you have six subs. If you're not good enough to play, if you're not good enough to be one of those 17 or 18 players, well, I'm sorry. That's that that is that that is. Uh, you need to get better. I'm sorry. <laughs> you need to get better. Um, <laughs> you, you, go, going from that. You make them forty-five minutes, but not but forty-five minutes, but not a um, a, a 
the a countdown clock. You go counting up to forty five, and if the ref has time, the ref has time. Get oh, rid I of that hate, stupid. I, I can't stand get rid of that. that stupid buzzer. It's stupid. It's a waste of. It's 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 extremely it's dumb. It, it's not what it feels like. About. It feels like you're in high school. Um, and then finally, get rid of stupid golden goal and just play like normal normal soccer, extra time uh, until. I just don't get why the rules are so different in college soccer. It is they are bizarrely different. It's like watching high school soccer. I just couldn't believe it. Like, why is it like this? I know they want to increase development, which makes total sense. I is it, really is it really increasing oh. development? It's not. Not even. Not even. So the and it it it, it just it doesn't make sense. I feel like I feel like the player some of the players you know I mean there's so many college soccer teams, but there's not that many college soccer prospects. And I think. That's important. That, that's that's well, something that's really interesting. My... And go and like finally before before you go and interject um, your beautiful opinion, um, <laughs> I think I think they need to contact more USL NASL teams and be like, Thank hey you. look, hey look, we need to add our you guys who are getting rejected by MLS who are not good enough for MLS. I'm sure there's plenty of them that are not good for MLS. Put them in the NASL. Put them in the USL. You know, establish some type of relationship so that maybe I'm not sure if the USL or NASL has a draft, but I think they should be the ones having the draft, not the MLS. So here's here's my hot take and my advice. Okay, get ready for this, Armand. If you're a parent and you're listening to this, Jimmy or Susie, it's good at soccer. Oh, you're gonna pay for them to play with an academy system? Don't take that money, put it in the savings account, collect interest. Let Bobby and Susie figure out if they have the passion for it. If they do, maybe you consider. If they're that good, get them a scholarship. They, you, they, there's scholarships around there. Maybe you pay for you know you you pay a little bit. Okay. So firstly, secondly, Bobby and Susie, if you genuinely love this sport, don't go to college to play it. If you want to succeed, if you want to be good, if you want to represent your country and wear the colors of the red, white, and blue. You, you make the jump. You take the risk. Go to Europe. Go to one of these NASL, USL teams and start there. You're going to get better development. You're going to be playing soccer consistently. You're not going to worry about classes. You're not going to worry about papers. This is the issue is we, we have – we try to make we, – we, we try to copy European football or world football and then we try to Americanize it. And we can't have both. It's one or the other. You either implement – the same system that's worked in England, Germany, and other the other these all these other places, or you you completely change it. But you don't you don't want man like you try to copy names of these teams like uh, Minnesota United, but then you're gonna have a whole complete different system on how soccer functions here in the states. It, it just you can't have both sides here, and and college soccer is just does not exist. You ask Europeans and they look at you and they. Just think, what the hell are you guys doing? You're wasting. What did Christian Pulisic say in his letter to the Player Tribune, Armand? It's like 17 to 18 were like the most important, where he learned everything? Is that what he said? Like, Pretty much that. Along those lines? Yes. And that, 20... that's, a, that, that's, that's very telling. You have a guy, like you're, like, like you're about to say, coming at 22, 23, playing his first professional game. That's ridiculous. Come on. That's, it's, people need to realize this isn't the NFL. This isn't the. This isn't the NBA where 2020 20, – even in the NBA, it's changing. That 21, 23 is old. NBA players are 18, 19 coming to the NBA. So there you go. The change is happening in other sports. 
Except soccer? <laughs> come on, man. Come on. Come on. Come on, come man. On. Come on. All right, moving on. Uh, well, we we kind of spoke about this. In my Christmas wish list would be invest in the youth, but my problem is what the hell are they going to invest into? How are you going to get these youth to play soccer? And the problem is, is I think MLS does a decent job, but I think it, this falls more on the USL teams, the, 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 the smaller division clubs, on really trying to get these 18, 19-year-olds to sign contracts and then making, ma- allowing them to realize there's a bridge. MLS, rather than going... I wonder, Armand, call me crazy. What if there's a draft from USL teams to MLS rather than college? Well, why do they sign him? Well, then why can't they sign him? Why can't they? Why isn't there more money going into playing, picking up the best players from USL and, and bring them up? Because well, we saw Hildebrandt going to yeah. Atlanta. Well, hello, players like that. Where's that happen? I don't know. England is a great example. How many? Where did Delhi Ali come from? MK Dons. Exactly. What were the Tottenham target him? They brought him up from lower division. Bang. Fine. I would. I mean, I agree. I agree with exactly. I agree with what you're saying. I mean, we are slowly seeing some NASL and USL players moving up uh, into the. But you need to give uh, hope to these players that say, "Well, what's the point of me playing soccer past college if I'm not going to get it?" I I wonder how much that plays into a role. Like some of them want to go, some of them don't want to go. But then there's probably some on the line thinking, "Well, how many players have been successful in doing?" Barely. That? Not many. Well, not many. Some of them play, but how many of them have actually had gone on to have great careers? Probably not much. I don't think many at all, to be honest with you. And it's a it's a big issue. I do I do feel like they need to step it up a little bit and give these guys a little bit of hope. Kind of like it's the second division that gets screwed the most. The lower division, sorry. Yeah, and we we've purposely not talked about promotion relegation on this show all that much because I, th- I think it's a, it's a topic that's been worn out. It's been discussed. We will do a future episode on it. Don't worry listeners, but w- we want to have our, you know, we want to have guests that know what they're talking about, who support it and then who don't support it or just have people a- in the media actually have real discussions because it's, it's great for these soccer presidents, candidates, soccer candidates for the U S presidency to say, yes, invest in the youth, invest in the youth. But how and why would you do this this way and not this way? And how is this going to actually perform? Because we just talked about it a couple in the first segment, Armand. There's talented players here in the United States. No question about it. It's, and it- I, I think the, the investment in youth should be playing, paying the players who've worked the system to realize there's money to be made in this way. Or even if you go to the USL, it's not a bad thing. Exactly. I feel I know like the problem is the USL and NASL are considered minor league and they they really aren't. They're professional leagues. There's some, there's the lower pyramid. Well that's the thing is they and, need to re, they need to brand that as saying this is just division two, but this goes into the promotion relegation system where it's like, well, if you go to division two you still have a chance of beating the D one. You know, the first division. You have that opportunity. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's exactly. just back and forth and we can go all types of things, but we're gonna move on. Armand, get your final point before we move on to our final break. Um, I do think, so Santa Baby, if you're listening to this. Um, Santa Baby. 
please, for the love of God, tell uh, Don Garber to bring in Cincinnati, Sacramento, and Nashville all by 2019-2020. The teams are expected to play by 2020. Cincinnati can play in 2019, and the other two can play in 2020. Bring them in. Tell Miami, wait a little bit. You've been wasting our time for all this time. Bring them all in. They all deserve a soccer team. That's all I want to see. I just want to see them. I just want to see them have a just be an MLS. So Miami's not getting a team. No, I say Miami is getting a team, but I would wait till later, and I'll delay their bid. But they're so invested in this Miami thing that they're not going to be able to. The problem is MLS owners are probably like, "What the hell? This guy's paying twenty five million for a team, and they're, and they're being a 50. pain in the behind. Twenty five or fifty, <laughs> it's being a pain in the behind." We have three teams that are ready infrastructure-wise. We have one that's ready to play right now infrastructure-wise. Uh, in line, we're going to pay $150 million to come in. So why not get them involved? I think MLS needs to look and be like, all right, we're going to get all three of these. Miami will have you waiting. We'll be at 26 teams by 20 what? By 2020. So right now we're at 23 because LAFC is joining. So, you so then add... you have Cincinnati at 24, Nashville 25, Sacramento 26, and then you have one of those other teams fight for that last spot, Miami 27-28, bring them in together, boom, done. All right, so 20, let, let's let's talk a little format change here with 26 teams. A, uh, yes or no, playoff size will increase? No. What about the scheduling format? What do you do with 13 teams in each division? What, 26? Yeah. In each conference, sorry, not division. In each conference, you have 13 teams because they're going to split it evenly. It's tough. I mean, I guess I would say play everyone in your conference home and away. And then... um, So that's 24 games? Yeah, and honestly, you could do that and then play everyone in the other conference once, 37. That's too many. That's too many games. How many games does a Premier League play? I, but you play everybody home in a way. It's, think about how... Armand, we already have issues with the World Cup. Unless you're going to completely flip the schedule, you can't play that many games. That's only three more games. I know, but how, how, how bad did Atlanta get screwed? Atlanta got screwed because they had to... They had, this, they had to reschedule like five of their games because the stadium game delayed. That wasn't because of... That wasn't because of... Atlanta's control, that's because the stadium got delayed. That wasn't because of, like, MLS scheduling. The MLS yeah, scheduling what about was the normal FIFA at first. How are you going to do with the FIFA windows now? You can work around them. It's not hard. Put a couple of midweek games in. I think, you, should, I think you shrink the schedule a little bit. To what, 12? What do you mean, 12? I, I don't know, like, just a home and away and that's it? Yeah. So, the home and away for... Your conference. Wow. Twenty-four games. You make the season real tight. Everybody would love it. I think the fans would appreciate it because you're you're really, really implementing a, a system where every win actually matters. With so many games, it, it becomes meaningless. Like you, you could lose this game and you're like, eh, who cares? There's next week. Fine. It's fair, but, but I mean, well, then here's the things: don't play anybody in the opposite division. I don't care for that. Play everybody in your conference, 
then how's the, here's even a better idea. Based on last year's standings, this is this is not talking about promotion relegation. This is nothing to do with it. If, if MLS keeps the system for at least the next five to ten years, it's going to be the single entity. Just get used to it, okay? Just get used to it because there's no point of changing it. But with with 12 teams in each division, you play everybody home and away. Then if you finish in the top half of last year's playoffs, you play them home and away again. And then the bottom half of the conference plays everybody home and away too. Then you create the schedules a little bit easier so the, the better teams play the better sides and the bottom teams play the worst sides. So it kind of balances out the, you know, the, the schedule difficulty. And if you're a sucky team, you play other sucky teams. That's a good idea. Hmm. Then you would get – so with six, so suddenly – 5, 10, 24. So you'd be, at, you'd be at 34 games, exactly where MLS is at right now. It's good to tell you. That's a good that's idea. That's a good, damn good idea, man. How can you say no to that? Hmm. But back to your expansion, who else after these three teams are going to get it? Because we've got two more cities. Phoenix, Miami. Phoenix? You're really relying on Phoenix? Absolutely. Is there a market that really should get it? Should Detroit should, but Detroit nah. Detroit City does not like Detroit's MLS bid. They don't like MLS in general. They want to open pyramids, so they're not going to have Motor do that, City but... FC. That's what they should be called. Oh my gosh, that would be awesome. Oh I'm just gosh. thinking. Think Dallas City Soccer Club, Dallas City FC. Beautiful name there. I think anything with the uh, – I'm telling you, Armand, you and I are going to start up Dallas City. And when promotion and relegation, we're going to freaking win everything. No, win. no, no. Stop, stop, stop. Anyway, listen. I'm we'll not right starting back. anything. We'll be right back. Well, listeners, we hope that you have a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy, happy Hanukkah, New, Happy Hanukkah, all the, <laughs> all the happy holidays, whatever it is. Um, we will have one more episode come out this week, and then we'll be gone for the Christmas and holiday week. Weeks. Yeah, we got stuff to do. We got stuff to do, but we got a we got a fascinating episode coming up after this one. We're gonna we're gonna try to get on the perspective of Major League Soccer from an international perspective. Hmm. Huh. Yes, indeed. But listeners, follow us on Twitter, Unc Sam Soccer Pod, Stephen Jodder, and Amon Kafai. Thank you so much for listening this year, and uh, it's been fascinating seeing MLS and U.S. Soccer change right in front of our eyes as we're doing this show. It's it's incredible. To to I mean I I, I remember Armand and I were sitting at Starbucks discussing just you know where where we're headed here and this show and wow Armand I mean a lot has changed and this Christmas wish list I mean it just shows how much has changed in six months our perception yeah for sure absolutely it's 
All right. It's been a very, very interesting couple months. Here's my idea for, for here's a really irrational idea that I think could be really spectacular: the creation of a soccer network, straight up soccer network. It broadcasts to you, NASL clubs, interviews, talk shows, USL, MLS, national team, the women's league. Americans abroad. Basically what this podcast does. Name it Uncle Sam Soccer Network. I don't care. Let me run it. I'd be brilliant at it. Um, but I think U.S. soccer should develop this because NFL has it. The NBA has it. Uh, MLB has it. I think NHL has it too. Armand, if, if this isn't US, MLS debating, uh, creating a network, this is U.S. soccer. And you would have exposure, and with advertisement, you could suddenly you could give some of that money to the lower division teams that have been struggling because they don't have any TV deals like MLS does. I like it. It's actually a really interesting concept to have. I actually do like it. I think it's very interesting. I'm, it just depends on how many viewers. Is it worth making? Is it worth the production? They do everything online now, cable cutting. I think it would be better to go to like, it. You, you say this is – I mean, that, but I feel like MLS is doing it right now. But no one cares. What is MLS? Because MLS, they do have pregame, postgame shows streamed oh, no, on. I, I, that's not the point of this show. The point of this soccer network is basically it's ESPN, Fox Sports during the day, but it's just all soccer related. It's interviews. It's it's morning shows. It's yeah, you might dip into what Manchester City are doing. Fine, people are gonna find that interesting. But the the majority of the so- soccer network is really the focus on American soccer. And it goes into these lower division teams. It goes into, I don't know, the the Rochester Rhinos. But how many people do you think care about those issues? I think a lot more than we make it out to be. I think people. I think a lot the, less than we make it out no, to be. No, but the problem is, Armand, how do we even know? Because they don't have these these people say here in in Wisconsin or in, in parts of the country that soccer just doesn't have a market because there's no team to latch on to. There's no new. If, if if people cared about the NASL. It would be a lot better off in terms of how many fans they pull in and whatnot than it is right now. What I'll mean? tell you that. You see, not that many people go to the Cosmos games, for example. Not that many people go to the Deltas games, a championship game when they got 6,000. Kudos to them. Edmonton has been struggling with teams. Um, you see a lot of... like. You do see a lot of clubs struggle with attendance in the lower leagues. So what does that mean? The tickets are insanely and the tickets are insanely cheap, and people still yet refuse, like right. fail to and, go. And, Look at the Rochester Rhinos; but who they're can, dying. No, for sure, for sure. But who goes to uh, watch the Houston Dynamo during the summer or the FC Dallas? It's not. It's the attendance. They have more of a following than the USL and NASL. The NASL teams are lucky U- to get four or five thousand. The yeah, MLS the US, teams USL- are lucky to get twenty thousand. There's a huge difference. By the way, and the interest and the interest, but and the interest between them, more people would care about watching the Houston Dynamo than they would the US. But that's USL the point. Or, or, the soccer the network would balance NASL. it out, though. The soccer network would go into MLS as much as it goes to the. Uh, to, to the bottom low, lower division teams, but the idea is to not make people more knowledgeable about the game. So you balance it out. Yes, MLS is probably going to carry the brunt of the of the network in the in the national team and the players abroad. Blah blah blah. But if you can focus a t- 
tiny bit on that lower division, you might create a little bit more fan influence. Without promotion or relegation, the lower division is nothing. I hate to be that guy, but without promotion or relegation, the lower division is nothing. Well, no yeah, one absolutely. Cares. No one cares because what can they do? There's no lower division. That's it. It doesn't I, matter. It's my irrelevant. Question, my question is why hasn't USL and NASL worked on some sort of promotion relegation between the two? Because NASL and USL are just too stubborn to work together. Well, the issue is, isn't USL drastically increasing to like 30-some teams to the point where it's like you might as well create two different divisions? Yeah, it is. And I agree they should work together, but they're not. That's actually uh, a few of the presidents of candidates that said instead of MLS, just have the other teams work and we'll see if – have the other leagues work together see if promotion relegation can exist. But, I mean, without promotion relegation, the lower leagues are nothing. No one cares about them. Move on. They're fun to watch. I think they're fun to watch. But why should a casual person outside of me care about a lower league team? Why? Because they like soccer. You can watch better soccer in MLS. Mm. You can watch better soccer in Premier League. Well, okay, Premier League, sure. But MLS, uh, depends on who's playing. Okay, if you think MLS is a thousand times better than USL, I'll tell you that. FC, but anyways. So uh, name your best two teams in USL. Watch them two play against each other versus the two worst teams in MLS. Who's better? I'd rather two worst teams in MLS. Say again? I'd rather wa- the two worst teams in MLS. Nah, I'd rather watch USL. Much rather watch FC Cincinnati. How many of- USL games have you seen this year? Uh, about three. Which ones? Well, FC Cincinnati and uh, Phoenix. I, w- I watched some of the Phoenix with Drogba over there. It's focusing on them. <laughs> And then FC Cincinnati again. You watch Airwatch Louisville City? And Louisville City, yeah. Tiny bit. That, that's fun to watch. But, Armand, the point is I would much rather go to a 30,000-seated sta- uh, stadium with FC Cincinnati hosting whoever. But how many 30,000-seat stadiums are you're acting like this is a normal? It's not normal. This is an outlier. That and Sacramento are both outliers. Outside of that, they're outliers, they and they're coming to MLS, and they're going to be a great addition. And yeah, a phenomenal. But it, does, it doesn't help USL or NASL. No, it, it doesn't. doesn't. That's why promotion and relegation is the only thing that will carry them. Boom, boom. The soccer network wouldn't help with any of that. But the soccer network is still cool in itself. <laughs> no, I'm serious though. What's the point of you and I talking about these lower division teams, huh, Armand? You've talked about it. You've wanted to but, advance uh, our, our, our The Lord Division team, to our viewers, is interesting. But to the casual person, or our listeners, I'm sorry, to the casual person, <laughs> no one cares. No one cares. People who listen to our podcast, they're in it for American soccer. They care about, they no, know but the that's history the behind point. the Rochester the people who are watching But no this, one cares. But the people no watching the soccer network, the, soccer are, network. Are, the people watching <laughs> this soccer network are going to care because it's a soccer network. Yeah, all five of them will care. <laughs> it's not going to be five. Okay, ten, sorry. Okay, it, it might be twelve. But what I'm saying is those twelve people, it's worth investing some time and effort into them. For twelve people? Yes. I'm telling you, oh. it, it would work. It would because where's my where's my number four at? Where's my number four? One hundred million dollars surplus. I bet it's not that much to get some cable providers put some money into average. It's not. I could figure it out on the back of a napkin. How the, I would I I could create a twenty four hour show lineup on what we would do, Armand, and it would work phenomenally. Okay. Anyway, we really got to get moving on here. 
Yeah, we do, because you, you got distracted. I did not um, get distracted. You distracted me. Oh, okay. So, number four, <laughs> MLS needs to reformat how to talk about money. I mean, I'm not going to... It's a lot of reformatting on this show, huh? I think like it's like Cam- it's to reformat U.S. soccer Cam- completely. Gam. Sam, Ram, Lamb. I, mean, I don't want to talk about it because it's so confusing. It's it's, no, it's I think it's real thing of using my eyes. You do I mean we've talked about it. The issue with this is that you cannot speculate with tra- transfers. I don't I, trades if you're sending money for a player like Tam Gam, are you really making a trade or you're just buying the player? Can we not call it like Atlanta bought player X for this amount of money? But with, with, with these trades for, oh, I traded for $150,000 worth of game. What good does that do? Nobody understands that. And second of le- second point, you can't speculate Nagsby, how much Nagby would cost or how much is his value or Kellen Acosta or uh, Zimmerman or a Hedges or, you know, a Simon. We don't know how much these people cost. A Kellen Rowe at New England or, you know. Maybe you want to get a player from uh, NYCFC or NYCFC. I think Mar Diaz would be a perfect fit. But we can't speculate how much NYCFC could spend to get this player. We can only react because Tam and Gam are so ridiculously impossible to understand that you just don't know what to do. They're not impossible to understand. They're hard for the casual viewer, which which it's important for a casual viewer to understand because what, do you, what, what sports center are going to say, let's say, if they ever cover a deal? Wow. Atlanta buys Nagby for 1.6 combination of million, combination <laughs> of Gam and Tam. It's ridiculous. I don't even want to talk about it. It's just so stupid. I'm saying they should go to a, just a flat fee. The problem is Gam, uh, Tam is set up so you buy players down, you use that money, and blah, blah, blah. I, I just don't get it. The problem is MLS is trying to create a fair system, and, and but it's screwing the fans for having water, water cooler talk or sports radio talk in general about trading for this player or what it would mean. You know, you understand the value of Jimmy Garoppolo or what Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or LeBron James would go for or, you know, uh, the, the you know with the the first round draft picks for the Celtics or the nine uh not the Niners but the 76ers. 76ers. You know what those are valued, but with MLS, what what? No, not not <laughs> one single chance do you understand what that means. I could barely understand what it means. I honestly don't even care to understand what it means because it's so ridiculously. I can't have a conversation with Armand sitting here and go, well, I'd spend $110,000 buying Marlo con- um, Christian Coleman's contract down and then using that money to – then I'd trade him for this amount of money. No, you can't do that. It's monopoly money. It's just make-believe money that teams have. Sits in the bank. It doesn't. It, it, yeah, it's literally MLS goes in and adds 150, whatever the amount was for to Portland's number, and then it's monopoly money. That's what Tam and Gam is. It's just to create. It's like a salary cap. It's another version of a salary cap, but they do have a salary cap in MLS too. Did you know that? No. Yes, kind of. See my point. It's stupid. Moving on. I like your next one. I like your last one. I like it. All right. My my wish list, it, it's time for U.S. soccer, in parentheses, I'm going to say sports media, to finally step up their game to really apply pressure, to apply actual analysis, actual fundamentals of this game, rather than having the same regurgitated crap from 
Grant Wall to ESPN FC to Fox Sports. We see the same guys. We hear about the same guys. When is it? A, where do we get the new guys come on? Where do we get to hear the perspectives of other people? Craig Burley gets absolutely assaulted by U.S. soccer media because he thinks the team sucks. And he, he, he said the team sucks, you know, for some time before they actually failed to qualify. But it, it's like this media has this weird relationship that has to, because U.S. soccer is somehow still new that we have to protect it. No, that's dumb. If you protect it, 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 it I thought soccer has arrived here. It's the fifth sport, okay? It is. MLS is the fifth league. In fact, it has, it's the seven, it's, it's top ten in attendance in world soccer. On an average the pro- per, per game. The problem is the problem is with the media. It's just, I just, to be honest with you, why it's it's. I guess maybe I guess we're part of the problem. I'm not. I'm Are not we? even sure, but it's. We're trying. It's it, it's it's such a really interesting topic to talk to talk about because. For us, we do see a different perspective from the old, the older, the older generation. I mean, we are seeing Taylor Twelman come up with his uh, viral rants, and what he provides are very good points and whatnot. But the U.S. soccer media fl- in general, but, but it's just what? Sorry, I don't know how to describe but, it. But Taylor Twelman and Alexi Laws are just a few voices. They're not the majority. The problem is. In Europe, you have you have players. I mean, uh, right? You know the the former Arsenal, I think, striker, right? Absolutely, cry on BBC Radio after Arsenal got dismantled early on in the season. I think it was Liverpool. I don't remember who, but they got as Arsenal got the dismantled, and he was borderline crying on radio. You know, for Arsene Wenger to to leave and all this stuff. But where is that? Where was the criticism? The the fans criticized Michael Bradley. But where was the media in this? You listen to the days after the men's national team failure, Armand. And what was it? Oh, we're going to get through this. Oh, boo-hoo. Senor Gulati needs to go. No, there was no comments on, on Michael Bradley's performance or his leadership through those couple final four games. Josie Outdoor, Clint Dempsey, Tim Howard... The Bruce Arena's disaster of not picking other players over this. You know, there was no criticism. It, it just got absolute. Sunil Gulati took the fall. Yes, he deserved his blame, but like I said in the beginning. He the took show, the fall for the. He took. He died for our sins. Our soccer sins. Yeah. There you go. It's. I mean, the media here is just. Uh, to, to describe a lack of better words. We talked about this earlier. I feel like there was such a defensive thing when defensive thing when the U.S. was struggling in World Cup qualifying. We kept saying, "Shoot, they might miss the World Cup. They might miss the World Cup." Everyone's like, "Well, we're fine." No, the idea of missing the World Cup wasn't even implemented. Then we did. Now it's all this talk. Now we saw the whole Kathy Carter thing. I mean, you remember that? How mm-hmm. um, as soon as uh, she came on. Uh, as soon as she announced, she got two. She got uh, on Fox Sports and also on uh, ESPN FC, and a lot of people were like, "Hmm, why not Guinalda? Why not this?" 
And you saw the same reasoning being bounced back that, you know, they were offered a chance and whatnot. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. But, 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 it's, it's, it, it's, it's such a, it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's a weird dynamic that we're seeing, like, not that, I'm trying to p- pick my words carefully so it doesn't sound like I'm saying something that I'm not. It's, I just don't <laughs> like what's, what's going on with, with, with the media, U.S. soccer media. I feel like. They defend their homeboys, and that's about it. Yeah, no, you're right. Listeners, thanks for listening to our Christmas wish list episode. If you want to hear the 10th one, it was playoff reformatting, but we already talked about that, so... Yeah, we talked too much for reformatting. But anyway, listeners, follow us on Twitter, UncleSamSoccerPod, Stephen Jodrin, Armand Kafai. We got an episode coming out Friday. Fantastic episode for you. Don't miss it. Well, you won't miss it, because you're going to hit the subscribe button. Other than that, Armand... Anything else you want to add before we say goodbye? I don't know. The last media thing made me, like, think really hard. So, But Merry Christmas, guys. Uh, happy holidays. I mean, happy holidays, and we'll be back. Travel safe. We'll be back Friday. A little flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you can save at PenFed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.